Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is the John Oakley Show podcast. All right, let's get back into it. Dan Moulton has now joined the fray. Dan Moulton is a consultant at Crestview Strategy. That's a public affairs agency and a former advisor in the McGinney and Wynn governments. Dan, good to have you on board. Appreciate it. Thanks, John. I was out there stuck in traffic, I'm sure, like a lot of your listeners today. No, you know, you should use the 504 streetcar. It runs cleanly across King Street. <laughs> it sure does. You know what? Actually, I did take it. I'm, it's funny you say that because I took it from uh, Spadina Avenue all the way across over to Sherburn. Yeah. And then get it, when I got in a car at Sherburn is where I got into a problem. That was the real issue. Wow. Uh, yep. You took your car on the streetcar. <laughs> no, I, I, I did. Oh. I don't drive. I, oh. you know, I'm a, I'm a proper downtown uh, millennial. I don't have a car. So, Uh-oh. wow. Uh, I did take the streetcar across though, and it was a uh, nice, smooth sailing. I must say. Well, would you like to see it expanded that network uh, for Queen Street, maybe Dundas and College? You know what? I don't think so. I think King is a, a good line for it to happen on. About seventy-five thousand. Uh, me and my friends ride it every day mm. uh, across the city, so it's a good line to have dedicated. I do think we have too many street parking spots on other streetcar lanes, another streetcar street. So Queen is a good example of it, College and Dundas when the streetcars come back. There's too much street parking in the, the downtown core on those lines, which really clogs up the traffic. And I think that's a better way to address the problem. All right. Well, I just know some of the patrons, not the patrons, rather the uh, restaurateurs and uh, the people who patronize those places along King Street, uh, they're upset. You know, well, that's because they have bad restaurants. Like, I mean, sorry, you're telling me you're a, a lot of great restaurants owner. on King Street. <laughs> Look, at, you're a restaurant owner in okay. the middle of this city. Okay. More, you've got a million people that have moved into your next door neighborhood, uh-huh. and you can't have a successfully run restaurant. Give me a break. Come on, they're bad restaurants, and young people don't want to go to them. That's why they suck, and that's why they're going under. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> Who wants to start? <laughs> Came in wow, 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 wow. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, you know, I don't there know. There are a lot of great restaurants on King Street. There certainly uh, are. They've by survived my for many, many and You know what? Those years. ones are doing well. And I think that, you know, Tom was on earlier. I understand that he took some of his ad time to do other things. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, but anyway, that's fine. I, I actually support him. But surely there could be a happy compromise here where after a certain hour, uh, cars are allowed on on King Street to, uh, to you know, help businesses. That's... Wouldn't that be a, a reasonable compromise, like the seven 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 plan that was promoted by these restaurateurs in their depositions to the city council, which shut it down, save for three councillors? No, I don't think so, because I think one of the things that the long term nature of the uh, now dedicated. Uh, streetcar lines down King Street will allow is changes to the built form. So you're going to have new restaurants coming in that will have much larger patios on the street. You're going to have much more dedicated space for these restaurants to attract patrons. These restaurants want to complain about a change in transit. They need to look at the mirror and figure out why they can't attract patrons as, as restaurants in this city, which has uh, enough business to go around. 
Wow. John, you've been silent for a while. <laughs> well, I've, I've, been, been, listening to, to I've been listening to Dan. It sounds like Dan wants them to throw in bean, beanbag chairs and PlayStations for millennials in order to attract them. Well, um, I mean, look, that's business. <laughs> Is that business, John? Like, but, I, you know, in fact, in fact, I actually do agree with Dan. Um, so you have a changing landscape on, on, on King Street, and what it does is it provides you with an opportunity to reevaluate your business model and then find a way to uh, draw those people who are now using King, King Street as a mode of transport um, uh, every single day and uh, get them into your shop. But here's the other thing, though. If Dan is wrong, uh, if I'm wrong, then what will happen is stores will close up uh, and the, uh, the owners of that proper, of the properties along there won't be able to rent them out, and we'll see for ourselves what, uh, what, it, what the real effect will be, which, of course, is not good for the people on there if it turns out that way. Right. But I think we have to give people a chance to uh, evolve their business model and see if they can actually make a go of it. Well, you know, for example, when they mentioned the hop-on, hop-off uh, two-hour window yeah. uh, for transit, they say we're not a takeout order kind of a place. We're sit sit in and dine. So are you suggesting then they do more takeout? Yeah. I mean, I, I think uh, times have changed since the 70s when you had your pepper steak and give, were given a carnation and you sat there for three hours. I mean, it's... <laughs> oh, date night. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, it might be a little bit different now. Uh, and so... Uh, you know, you have tapas, for example. I remember, uh, you know, being in New York and you have lots of tapas restaurants. I remember when I was in Rome having dinner once, there's a, there was a little sticky note under the ashtray, which told me what time to leave. I guess the table that was just was, for you, though. <laughs> maybe it was, but yeah, the table had been reserved. So the business models evolve, change, uh, and uh, King Street is a different kind of marketplace now. I think people need to think about that and, and what it means to, uh, to thrive there. All right. Uh, you know, we've taken a bit of a diversion here, but Dan has joined us in progress, and I wanted to give you a chance to weigh in because this election of Jason Kenney last night, uh, Doug Ford says, well, this is the blue wave. It's sweeping the country. Uh, Ernie pointed out you got five premiers effectively aligned ideologically. Uh, how, what does that foretell going uh, into the next federal election? Is Justin Trudeau up against it, or uh, do you think there's this countervailing kind of idea that we've seen historically where if you've got certain provincial premiers of a certain stripe, uh, the opposite tends to happen in Ottawa. How do you see it? Well, I think we have to remember that this country isn't uh, electorally a blank slate across the country where everything's the same. Alberta is a very different province provincially uh, than, you know, Ontario, for example, when it comes to the politics. And so, yeah, of course, Jason Kenney won the election last night. Uh, I mean, he, he united the conservative parties uh, and they, of course, won the regular uh, more than 50 percent of the vote that the conservative party has traditionally run, won there. 2015, the NDP swept to power for a number of reasons, one of which was there was a split on the right and you had a, a split of about 25, 26 percent between the two right wing parties that allowed the NDP to come up the middle. That didn't happen this time. There was a united right wing party that Jason Kenney led to the election. It's no surprise he won. I don't think that says a lot about the federal election. Uh, certainly, I don't think the prime minister is in a great place in that province uh, in terms of liberal chances for, for seat grabs there. Uh, but realistically, it's not all that important electorally uh, for the prime minister's majority to win seats in Alberta. He's more focused as the, the party on Ontario, on Quebec, on the Atlantic provinces in British Columbia. See, I just wonder, though, if we can kind of extrapolate from what's happening Alberta, where Jason Kenney says, uh, we've had our economy beggared here because they're stalling pipelines and resource development. And that sort of caught the imagination of Canadians across the country, recognizing that a lot of the benefits accrue to them. Places like Quebec benefit from a healthy uh, Alberta economy. Uh, if he can sell that, and Doug Ford is kind of selling the same thing here in Ontario, and you got Scott Moe out in Saskatchewan, 
it may just tilt the balance. I mean, uh, how do you see that, John? Well, I think you're going to have, uh, uh, you know, messaging against Mr. Trudeau's government coming from five provinces, uh, which is, uh, it, you know, that's that cannot be helpful to the Prime Minister and the Liberal Party of Canada. Uh, you want to have, uh, again, as the Prime Minister of Canada, you want to be able to show leadership, that you can uh, get along with the premiers, that you can help, uh, you know, bring people together. Uh, and what, what we're getting out of this, the five premiers is that Mr. Trudeau is not bringing the country together. And I, I understand Dan's position in terms of, as a strategist saying Alberta doesn't matter, but Alberta has to matter to every prime minister in this country. It really does matter. It's a huge province, big contributor uh, to the, the financial uh, well-being of, of every province, fr- frankly. And it, you have to be involved. You have to be part of it. And he's just not there. Ernie, when you were premier, was there a collegiality amongst provincial premiers? Yes, there was. Uh, Mind you, when I was there, we were all virtually on the same wavelength in terms of the economy, regardless of political stripe. In fact, I've said this many times. Uh, When I sat around finance ministers' meetings, you'd be hard-pressed to identify who was the NDP member from Saskatchewan versus who was the conservative finance minister from Alberta. We were all on the same page in terms of reducing deficit and debt, and uh, led by Paul Martin, the federal finance minister. And I, I've said this many times, if you didn't know who these people were and you just listened to them talk, you'd have been hard-pressed to identify who is from what political party. That day seems to have disappeared. <laughs> I think you have a lot of differing, differing opinions now, and uh, it makes life difficult for for the, for the federal government, but it also, quite frankly, makes life difficult for all provinces. I agree with what John said. I mean, the province of Alberta is tremendously important to, to the economy of the country. It isn't just limited to the boundaries of the province of Alberta. And I think that, uh, you know, it's the prime minister's job to bring those factions together as much as is humanly possible to make sure everybody benefits. Well, uh, that could be a tall order given that uh, there's a certain sentiment running through those five that we've uh, mentioned, including, of course, Ontario. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.